Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms. Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, Sleepyheads. This is episode 24 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and I would never keep office hours. And I'm Barb, and tonight we'll be discussing the seventh Sleepy Hollow episode of season three, entitled The Art of War, which was written by Joe Webb and directed by Hanel Culpepper. I thought it was a pretty good episode. What'd you think, Steve? Absolutely, and it was really nice to see both uh, Joe and Hanel come out with such a strong episode in their first go-around with Sleepy Hollow. They did a great job. It was fantastic. Would you like a little recap of the episode? Absolutely. Okay. On this episode, we open with Ichabod and Abby playing chess and Crane quoting the book The Art of War. The clever fighter is not one who wins, but who wins with ease. Danny stops by Abby's home, tells her he is going to Washington, and leaves her in charge. Nevins finds a Norse incantation, which he uses in Pandora's lair to raise three evil warrior monsters known as Berserkers, and gives them the mission to find the Shard, a.k.a. Jenny. Jenny and Joe confess to Abby and Crane about the Shard and Nevins, and realize that the Shard could kill Jenny. Our team is attacked by the Berserkers, and Jenny uses her new Super Shard powers to help Team Witness escape. In the Witness archives, the team learns that the Berserkers are susceptible to mistletoe, and Jenny is again possessed, speaking in the voice of one who says he will be there soon. Joe and Crane hunt down the Berserkers with mistletoe-tipped arrows but are unable to kill them. Crane convinces Abby to let him look for evidence in Nevin's bait shop, and Abby pulls the FBI surveillance team off the site. Crane finds what he needs, but Sophie finds Crane snooping. Crane and Abby determine a way to defeat the Berserkers. Joe and Jenny get cozy in the cave. Joe, Abby, and Crane climb trees, pour vials of Jenny's shard-tainted blood on the back of the Berserkers, and watch as they brutally attack each other. As they are leaving the forest, Abby and Crane have a heart-to-heart chat. Nevins and Sophie appear, hold the team at gunpoint, then Sophie declares she is an FBI agent and shoots Nevins. Meanwhile, Jenny has gone to Pandora's lair. She plunges her hands into the reflecting pond, which opens the tree and out walk Pandora and a mystery man draped in robes. Jenny kneels, and he raises his scythe. Well, we have a little bit of news for you this week. As far as Live Plus 7 numbers, Episode 4, The Sister Mills, tied for 8 overall in adults 18 to 49 percentage increase, going from a 0.8 to a 1.5 for an 88% increase. It was sixth overall in viewer percentage increase going from 2.9 million to 4.9 million for a 71% increase. Now, for episode six, this Red Lady from Caribbean, the Live Plus Three numbers increased by 56% in adults 18 to 49 from a 0.9 to a 1.4. Now, I also saw where they had come up with the top 25 shows in Live Plus Three ratings 
for the 2015-2016 season through November 1st. How'd we do? Sleepy Hollow was tied for fourth in adults' 18 to 49 percentage increase, going from 0.9 to 1.5 for a 67% increase. It was tied for eighth overall in viewer percentage increase, going from 3.4 million to 5 million for a 46% increase. Now, Episode 7, The Art of War, the live plus same day, 3.02 million viewers with a .9 in adults 18 to 49. So we are very stable with our numbers. Our live plus threes are good, and the live plus sevens are good as well. And that may be part of the reason why Fox announced that Sleepy Hollow will return on Friday, February 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern, moving from Thursday to Friday. And I know that we have seen quite a bit of chatter about that on the internet. And I know people are worried to death and saying, this is it. This is the death of Sleepy Hollow. It's going to be the end of it. But I don't think that that is necessarily the case. I believe so either. No, and it's really up to the viewers. You know, if you love the show, watch it. Make the executives know that you're watching this show. There are a number of sci-fi type shows in the past that have been successful on Friday night, even with smaller audiences. So I think that it's really imperative upon everyone who loves the show just to watch it, to participate, to be vocal on Twitter, on Facebook, anywhere else that Fox is looking at this. And then also talk about how you support the sponsors of the show, because the bottom line is money. Let's face it. Yes, it is. And I believe that because we've stayed pretty stable in our viewers, 3 million live plus same day and right around 5 million by the time you get to live plus seven is probably the reason that we're still on the air and Bones is on the bench right now. They are not coming back in the spring. They don't have a date set for it yet. Oh, that's right. I did see something about that. So sleepyheads, do not give up. No, do not give up. And we're going to be airing before Grimm, so we won't have that to compete against because Grimm has been a staple on Friday nights for going on five years now. So, Folks, it can work. We just need to support it. Yes. So, Steve, I think we both liked the episode quite a bit this week. So what type of rating did you give The Art of War? Well, I really enjoyed it, so I gave it a 9.75. We need a shardectomy stat. (laughs) Yes, Jenny, and she didn't get it, did she? Ouch. And I gave it nine checkmates, because I think that we saw more than one checkmate during the show, and not just the one that Abby pulled on Crane at the very beginning. Yes. (laughs) So, Steve, we had a lot of action in uh, Team Second Tribulation this week, and actually, I think that we probably have a new member to add to the Tribulation. Yes, I believe we do. I think we can add Atticus Nevins to this team, even though it sure doesn't look like he works for Pandora. No, it doesn't seem like it, but they're working for the same boss. Yes. The thing that I found really interesting about the difference in the last episode to this episode was how much Nevins changed. Oh, didn't he? He was so calm and cool and under control when he was talking to Joe. First time we see him in this episode, he's in mass panic mode. He had ripped that room apart. I mean, someone who is desperately, you know, throwing things around. It's as if you're looking for your car keys and you, you can't find them and you're, you're tearing your house apart because you have to be at a very important 
interview in like 10 minutes, right? Yes. And Sophie says, there's going to be hell to pay. And he comes back and says, hell will be getting off easy. Oh, yes. And that these were desperate times. Yeah, he yes. was clearly worried about the consequences. But you're right. Last week when he was playing Joe, he was a calm, cool character. Not this week. He was scared. Yes. <laughs> Very intimidated by uh, the hidden one, apparently. And I wonder if he's met him. And I guess that's something we can speculate on later. But has he actually met this guy? I don't think so. I don't know. But how does he know him? And how was he hired by him? Which I think is part of the mystery that I would love to find out. Yes. Hopefully that will be something that they will give us a little more information on next week as far as how he is actually connected to the hidden one. I know. It's not like he's going to be meeting with this guy because he's in FBI custody now. <laughs> yeah. Oops, Atticus. But, no. you know, even though he didn't know her. He uses one of her spells to bring out the Norse berserkers, finds an old Norse spell and replaces Odin with Pandora and is able to bring her box up. The spell works. You see the nice glowy smoke kind of swirling around. Looks like Raiders of the Lost Ark is what it looked like to me. They had all those little spirits like flying around and the box was open and they were flying around. He's like looking in awe like, ooh, ah, and I'm thinking that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm thinking maybe he'll blow up. They'll all get sucked back into the box and he'll be gone. I thought, no, we're not going to get that lucky. Yeah, I didn't think he was oohing awe, and I think he was scared. I don't know. I'm going to go back and look at that again, because I thought he had a like look of awe on his face, like, ah. Because as soon as the berserkers formed, and he turned around and saw them, and they kind of started sniffing him, he kind of cowered a little bit, then started opening to give them the scent of Jenny. Oh, yeah, he definitely looked terrified at that point in time, like, yeah, oh, like, my goodness, <laughs> what have I done? They're going to get They're me. They're going to eat me here yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, wouldn't that have been a shame? But, you know, I wonder, still going back to Nevins, how did he know to invoke Pandora's name? Because I don't think they've met. I don't believe so either, but apparently he did know that where her lair was and that her box was there. So, Mysteries you know, of course, and he more. made a uh, fatal mistake in writing down the curse on a piece of paper on top of a tablet. Yes, the old trick where you can kind of sketch over it and find out what yes. it said. <laughs> That came in handy. Yes, it did. Now, of course, the Berserkers, they were pretty cool because there wasn't anything stopping them. They were very single-minded in their pursuit, and they were not going to stop until they had what they were told to get. Even Jenny going all... Shard queen? Yeah. Super shard. She's super shard. stop them at all. No, she slowed them down a little bit, though. Yeah, just enough for them to get away. But did you see how their wounds healed? Yes. Wow. That was scary. And it took basically having to turn them on each other to get rid of them. And they did that with three vials of Jenny's shard-tainted blood. Sparkly. Yeah, which made them think that each one of them was Jenny. So they attacked each other until they killed each other off. You know, and, and that was one of the things that confused me because were they supposed to bring her back to Nevins or were they supposed to kill her? No, they were supposed to bring her back. So then why did they end up killing each other, though? <laughs> because then you would have thought that they would have had to capture each other. Right. I know. So that's actually thinking about that now. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not sure that that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, the way that they ripped each other apart was 
really rather animalistic and brutal. Yes, but they were very animalistic creatures, that's for sure. Yeah, they were good monsters. Way to go, Corey. Yes, much better than last week's. Yes. And then at the very end, we finally see Pandora as Jenny, the shard, is taking over her, sticks her arms into the pool, which opens the tree enough for Pandora and the hidden one to come out. So it makes you wonder, was that the purpose of the shard? Was the shard supposed to open the tree? And so it was maybe Nevin's mission that he was the one who was supposed to open the tree and let them out? That's what I believe was supposed to have had happened. And of course, he really didn't think there was any way that Jenny would willingly do that. Unfortunately, it's stronger than what either one of them thought it was. No, she was completely possessed several times during the episode. Yes, she was. Now, I thought it was real interesting that he comes out and he's completely draped. You don't see a face. Basically, he's a walking mummy. Well, that and he had on that black hood and the black robes. And I thought he looked like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. That are in the new trailer of The Force Awakens, like Luke Skywalker, we think, reaching out to touch R2-D2 with his robe on and his hoodie. You know what I have on the brain. Yes. It won't be long now. No, I know. a little over a month. Back to Sleepy Hollow. (laughs) And let's go to Team Witness. Okay. So anyway, this week I think that our stories finally converged upon each other. And we've always had Abby and Crane being our team witness, chasing down all the bad guys, fighting the supernatural evil. And we've had Jenny help them out. And now we've had Joe help them out. But all of a sudden, Jenny is infected by the big evil and she is in danger. So I think it just kind of wrapped all of our four witnesses together as a not a team of two, but a team of four. And that was good to see. That was. I really liked the way that they did it. It it really made them stronger. It allows for a lot more character building, a lot more dynamics between all of them. And we saw a lot of that in this episode. And I really personally enjoyed it. I like watching all of them interact with each other. Especially if they're going to interact the way they did this week. Because we see Joe and Crane have some bonding time and bromance yeah give each other some uh, advice and miss the good old days of single-mindedness service to the country yes (laughs) talk to her okay yeah take your own advice crane yeah pot calling the kettle black there crane buddy Anyway, when we started out, we watched Jenny and Joe doing some sparring, a little warring of their own in the ring while they're doing some boxing and conversing at the same time. Jenny saying, why don't you just go check out the bank account? And Joe was saying, why don't you tell me about the work that you did for my daddy? Tell me a little bit more about what's going on. So it was fun to see that because you can see that they've got a friendship. It's not just an attraction to each other. They've known each other for many years. They have a friendship and a friendship is a great starting point for a true relationship. But then while they're fighting, Jenny goes all volcanic on us and kind of mollicky with her white eyes. And you can see what she's seeing. She's seeing these symbols. Maybe this is the hidden one that she's seeing and scares Joe. And I think she scares herself. Definitely scares Joe. So they decide it's time to confess and they tell Abby and Crane about the shard and Nevins. And I think that the nice thing Is it last week? Remember, Steve, we talked about what on earth was Joe thinking? Why didn't he say anything? Why didn't they say anything else to Jenny or to Crane? Right. But they thought that the shard had disintegrated. 
not that it had been absorbed. So I guess they felt, well, if the thing disintegrated and it's gone, then oops, why tell Abby that we went to Nevins when we weren't supposed to do it anyway and get (laughs) spanked? Yes. That made perfect sense. I'm really glad that the writers put that in for us because we were all head banging last week saying, what on earth? You guys aren't thinking. Where's the common sense? And yet they did have it. And we did see it. And we understood what they were thinking. And I liked that. Well done, Joe. Very well done, Joe. And very well done, Jenny. And also, Joe at this point remembered that Nevins didn't handle the shard. He had a glove on. Right. Oops. A little late to remember that, Joe. Now, one of the things that surprised me here was these were binding stones. Crane identified the shard as, and he said that it can be absorbed into the body on contact, it transfers mystical energy, and that it can kill mere mortals. How on earth would he know that? I'm not sure I was able to figure that out. Because remember, his wife was the witch, and he didn't even realize his wife was a witch. So how is he going to know those mystical things? It's a very good question. Maybe we'll get an explanation for that. I kind of doubt it, though. I do, too. But I'm okay (laughs) with it. I can hand wave that one. So then I think that it was quite a shock, though, when the berserkers attacked them while they were standing there talking. And Crane and Abby watched Jenny go all molten lava queen or super shard or whatever we'd like to call her. And she tries to tank them down. But as you said, it gave just enough time for our team to get away. It also made them realize how tough these berserkers were going to be to kill. That this was really going to be a formidable opponent. Very much so. Yeah. What kind of look do you think Joe was giving Jenny, Steve? (laughs) Well, I knew something was going on with them while they were boxing. Joe actually had his arms around her and she had, you know, was up against his chest with her back. And you hear the comment, well, he's not the one I feel closer to. Yeah. Joe looks like a little puppy dog, a lovelorn puppy. But at least he followed through eventually. Yes, he did. Now, I think, again, what was scary was when Jenny went all molten lava queen again, and she says in in her great mollicky voice, Behold my glory, I am coming. And that was another creepy thing, because then that was an indication that whomever is possessing her through the shard is coming to Sleepy Hollow, and very, very soon. And, of course, immediately... They take her to the Masonic cell. Yes. They tell her to try to block the scent from the berserkers, but I think it was a little bit more than that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All those candles all around. Made for a lovely romantic setting. Now, I think what was interesting is when Joe and Crane went berserker hunting with their mistletoe-tipped arrows that didn't work, that they were really doing a lot of bonding and talking, and that was their second bromance episode during this epi. I thought that was cute. Yes, it was. It was cute. It really was. It really was. I think that it's nice because... It's wonderful that Crane has Abby that he can talk to all the time and Miss Jenny, as he calls her. But he needs a guy to talk to as well. So if he bonds with Joe, that's great. And I think he will because of their both having served the country. Yes. They have a, a common base there that they can relate to each other with that and they can build from there. I agree. And they want to do the right thing. Yes. Ichabod, man. Oh, but we forgot one little thing. Oh, we can't let our shippers down. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because when Joe was taking Jenny's blood so they could use it against the berserkers, 
He's told her he was taking Crane's advice, and they locked lips. So shippers everywhere went nuts, and they were so happy. Yes. They were delighted. Twitter blew up. Yeah, I I know. And again, you know, I have to watch. I can't get on Twitter for a couple hours until after everyone else has seen it because I'm in the wrong time zone, the neglected time zone. And so when I finally did get on and I started reading through this, I was just laughing because when everyone was like, yes, it's Jenny and Joe, and they're trying to think up a name for him. And I'm thinking, just go with JJ. Yeah, exactly. JJ is easy. So I'm going to call him JJ from here on out. Jenny and Joe, JJ. I was very afraid that could possibly alienate the Ikebibi shippers even more. I didn't see a big backlash from those fans, so I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Oh, no, they have hope because of some things we're going to talk about. The Twitter, all the shippers on for Sleepy Hollow, all the Sleepy Heads were ecstatic. Yeah, now, poor Ichabod, he's just, his game's a little off. It's a lot off. Yeah. His <laughs> chess game so. was way off. It sure was. But apparently, by the time we get to the end of the episode, we do find out that Apparently, he's feeling some stress from trying to get the citizenship, trying to get the archive saved, and fearing that Abby might get promoted to Los Angeles or Dallas. And that has him deeply concerned. Well, think about this. He has come from 250 years in the past. He may be dating Zoe. You know, we know that they've had at least two dates. But is he really going to say, hey, listen, I'm really roughly 280 years old. Ha ha. She's going to think he belongs in an insane asylum or he's fallen and hit his head on concrete. If you stop and think about it, the only people he can really talk to that really truly know him are Jenny and Abby. And Joe is being read in, obviously. But they are the only ones who know him. And he would be alone if she were to leave. Who is he going to be able to confide in and talk to? How lonely would it be if you had no one to confide in, to talk to, to tell people what you think? I don't blame him for being afraid. I don't either. I expected the distractions to come. And they reared their head this episode for Ichabod. I expect they'll rear their head next episode for Abby. We'll be able to compare how each of them handle it. Now, the one thing I was glad to see was that Crane did tell Abby what was going on instead of keeping it in and just going on and acting like, yeah, I'm just off and no big deal. Because I think his expression of his feelings for what he was concerned about will help Abby understand him a little better and know what to look for in the future. Well, stop and think about it, too. At the end of season two, after his wife and his son were killed, he ran away. He left for nine months. No postcard, no call, no nothing. And all of a sudden, she gets a call and he's in jail. She was obviously had her feelings hurt. You know, if a friend walks away from you and just deserts you without a word, you bet it's going to be painful. And he didn't do that this time. This time he talked to her. Good crane. I agree. That's important. They really did share. And and even if they're not together in a romantic sense... That deepens a friendship when you share the things that someone else could use to hurt you. When you share that with someone else, you are really deepening your friendship. Yes, and they definitely got stronger together after this episode. I do think Miss Zoe might have some competition. Oh, you think? (laughs) (laughs) On several fronts. Yes. When... 
Crane gets busted coming out of uh, Nevins's place. Sophie uh, kind of tosses him against the wall, and it just goes sparks flying everywhere from that point forward. Oh, didn't they, though? And she tossed him against the wall, and he tossed her right back, and they had some rather nice dialogue between the two of them, some sparring of their own, sparring with words. And I thought, writers, producers, directors, do you guys see what we're seeing here? Because these two are, they got some chemistry. Yes. You might have just caught lightning in a bottle here. Yeah. Sorry, Shipper. Sorry, And that may be why they made her a full cast member. Oh, that's a good thought because they would have filmed this quite a while ago. Yes. About the time that they decided to make her a full cast member and the actress that plays Zoe is not. Oh, that's true. Oh, I know the shippers are yelling at us now. I'm sorry, guys. We, we were just reporting what we see. Yes. And they did a really nice job with that scene. Having them in silhouette, I thought was a phenomenal thing to do. Yes. It yeah. really added to the tension of the moment. It left you with some shadows and wondering what on earth is happening between these two characters. And of course, then the big reveal at the end where maybe she's a bad guy. Maybe she ain't. Yes. I know a lot of people on Twitter were going, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. I saw that coming. No way. Not a a clue. (laughs) Yeah, no, there was no way any of us. If anyone really saw that coming, I'll give you kudos. But I definitely didn't see that one coming. No. When she shot Nevins, I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what I tweeted, too. (laughs) Capital letters. Now, at the very beginning, Crane was visibly awkward around Danny, wasn't he? Oh, good Lord, yes. But then he ran into the kitchen and like a little girl, he just stood there and listened. (laughs) Or a good nosy neighbor or a good nosy roommate. And it was probably more for wanting to protect Abby than actually wanting to know what's going on, I think. I don't think he trusts Danny. No, I don't think he does either. By the end of the episode, he certainly doesn't. (laughs) No. Of course, neither do a lot of us. Yes, the little... um, rendezvous with the deputy sheriff of operations of the FBI definitely uh, gave everybody some pause. I know, especially when you first watch it and then when you get to the end of the episode and say, wait one second. And then you go back and you watch it again and say, I think I'm going to think about this a little differently now. So let me talk a little bit about Abby and then we can begin speculating. All right. So Abby was left in charge by Danny. At least she thinks she was left in charge. And of course, as we find out later, she is not really in charge of much after all, since Sophie is FBI. And I think no one more stunned than Abby because she didn't know it. And Sophie made a statement that anyone who knew was part of the inner circle. Now, I can see in a covert operation that you're not going to know what your fellow agents are doing, right? But here, Danny has led her to believe that she's important. She would be leading up this task force, uh, really helping out. And yet, clearly, she's not part of the inner circle because she did not know about Sophie. And if that doesn't give you pause about your career, I don't know what does. I think one of the other things that was very interesting in this episode was how upset she was. And she did a great job of portraying this, by the way. Nicole Bahari did a wonderful job playing Abby and her disbelief and her anger at JJ when she found out that they went to Nevin's behind her back. Yes, Crane had to step in and kind of push her 
back a little bit. Go calm down for a second. Yes, he did. But then on the flip side, when it came down to saving her sister and trying to find out what was going on with the berserkers, she broke protocol and pulled the FBI surveillance team off the bait shop so that Crane could get in and get out. Yes. And she hesitated, but only briefly. Very briefly. Yes. Yeah, I think that that will make her a little bit more forgiving of them later. Besides, this is her sister. This is her flesh and blood. And the way that she was taking care of Jenny in the Batcave after Jenny was passing out, that this whole babysitting routine. I mean, Abby is very concerned about Jenny and what could happen to Jenny, understandably. Yes, and we actually get to see the other side of the coin. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Jenny babysitting Abby. Yes, And now we get to see Abby babysitting Jenny. Excellent point. You you definitely can tell that both sisters are completely committed to the other. Yeah, there is a tremendous amount of love between the two of them, as there should be. Yes, but for a long time, there wasn't. So it's very nice to know now that their relationship is rock solid, because I think it's going to need to be. Yeah, it's about to be seriously tested. And it was interesting, too, because when in one of her two heart-to-hearts with Jenny during this episode, Abby said she recognized that she was a control freak and, you know, talked about how she had tried to separate her supernatural and her professional life. And here, front and center this week, she could not do that. They crossed completely. Yes. (laughs) And she made a choice. And her choice was her sister, her family, and the supernatural part of her life. So I think that what that tells us is that instinctively, she is still fighting it on some levels. Ever since Crane left that nine plus months ago, and she slammed the door on that and said, I'm moving on. There's still a piece of her that seems to be fighting that. Yes, there is. She really, when they defeated Malik and Katrina and Henry, she really thought it was over. Oh, right. We get to have our lives back now. We saved the end of the world. Eh, not so much. No. But, you know, she knew that there were more evils out there that they had to fight. I know they call it the seven tribulations as opposed to the seven years of tribulation, but they thought that they had more evil to fight. But then Crane left. And I guess at that point she said, I'm disconnected. It's over. I'm done. It's We're finished. So... I would think that in the second half of the season, we will see more of her commitment to Team Witness and to the job that they need to do. I believe you're right. Now, I do want to know who is keeping eyes on her from higher up in the FBI, but we'll discuss that in theories. <laughs> yeah, because you and I maybe have a different opinion on that one, but we yeah, may not. we might. We might. <laughs> That's good. It leads for good discussion. Yes. So just as a side note, there were a lot of references here to The Art of War, which is the book that was written by Sun Tzu about 2,500 years ago. And it's supposed to be one of the leading books on how to conduct a war uh, and has been used for all these centuries by major tactical commanders during wartime. And so I'm going to include a link in the show notes for this for anyone who wants to read a little bit about it. But here we saw Crane losing a chest to Abby. We saw Joe and Jenny sparring in the boxing ring. We saw Crane and Sophie tossing each other around (laughs) at the bait shop. Interesting. The berserkers, I mean, their lives were based on worrying against others. And of course, we had our obligatory reference to the Revolutionary War, and this time Daniel Boone warring against the Brits and the Hessians. 
And then now we've got Pandora, and she's coming in with her new master, and wonder what kind of war they're going to start. But anyway, plenty of warring type references, if you look throughout the episode. Yes, there was. Now, Danny and Sophie. What team are they on? It's very difficult to say, because... You would think in the six months that Sophie has worked for Nevins collecting these artifacts, you would think that she could have come across something supernatural. Okay, but okay, so she worked for him for six months. And how then could she have been his most trusted operative? And we could see today that or in the episode that she wasn't necessarily his most trusted operative because he said, you know, I gave you a chance to go get the shard. Basically, you blew it. Mm-hmm. And if we stop and think about it, the only person who said that she was Nevin's most trusted operative was Danny. Yes. And now we know that Danny wasn't exactly telling the truth. <laughs> you know, no, I, another thing wasn't. I thought really strange, why did Danny go to his boss's home versus the office to report in? Now, how many times have you worked on a special super secret project and you went to your boss's home to report about it rather than doing it in the office? I've got a big goose egg for me on that one. I don't think that that happens too awful often. And I don't think that's particularly FBI protocol. No. Now, boss man made an interesting comment. Yes. He said that I can't divert any more assets without attracting attention. Well, wait a minute. If you've got a special mission, then you should be getting the assets you need and you would there would be attention on a super special mission anyway. He doesn't want that attention. So I'm thinking he's doing something off the books. Absolutely is. The, the question is, does this guy know what's going on or is, is he doing it because he knows and he's trying to keep it from getting out or getting noticed so yeah he wants to keep it hush hush because yeah he doesn't want to have a mass panic on his hands when the rest of the country finds out that sleepy hollow now has a god in its <laughs> midst okay so does that mean he's running an x-files operation it, it okay. might be he may be masonic okay so here i guess we've got a couple possibilities okay one he's really a big bad And he's working for the new evil one, the hidden one. Okay. And it's all about power. He is running an X-Files operation off the books. Maybe he doesn't know what he has. But if he doesn't know what he has, then why is he pursuing this operation with such vigor? Yes. Apparently, he had a timetable that he needed this wrapped up. And Danny didn't meet it. Not yet. So apparently... He knew something about the timing of all this that, yes, the shard needed to be under their control so they could bring the hidden one out of the underworld. Rather than Nevins, because then if they have the shard, can they control the hidden one? There you go. You know, and remember, Danny had said, what, last episode or a couple episodes ago, that if once he cracked this case... He, he it wasn't that what he was he wasn't going to write his own ticket he was going to basically own it yes so Danny is san- sounding a little power hungry to me yes he is and a little kn- ambitious a little too ambitious see because we all now want Danny to be a bad guy so maybe <laughs> I'm looking for too much here but I want Danny to be a bad guy because I don't like how he's messing with Abby 
No. And I think we'll definitely won't like him after this next episode. Oh, I'm sure we won't. Well, he's going to come down on her because, yes, quote unquote, Sophie's cover is blown. Right. And they didn't get the higher up. Nope. Which they wouldn't have gotten anyway. Now, that leads me to believe that Danny doesn't know what's going on. Now, his boss might. Oh, that's. But I don't believe Danny does. That's fair. Now, that makes me think, too, that his little hospital rant, maybe he was afraid of what he might have said about the case, that he wasn't so much worried about spilling his guts about still having some feelings for Abby, which I think is probably correct, but that he was more concerned about giving himself away. Yes. With Nevin. Letting it out that Sophie was an agent. Or, or even more than that, or maybe that right. he does know something yes. about Nevins and Pandora and the hidden one, and this is off the books, and he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. And maybe that's why Abby kind of walked away from him from that little shack on the beach in North Carolina is because her gut told her, her instincts told her that there wasn't something quite right about Danny. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I will fully say, I want Danny to be bad. Sorry, guys. If anyone wants Danny to be good, I want Danny to be bad and make him be punished for being mean to our Abby. All right. I think we already uh, discussed the uh, chemistry between Sophie and Crane. So let's go back to Sophie for a minute, though. Okay, so if Sophie is an FBI agent, and she's been undercover for six months, but she definitely knew some of August Corbin's tricks. Oh, well, then maybe she learned them from Nevins? Yes. Oh, okay. I was thinking for a while that maybe Sophie had been roped in by Danny as well because maybe he found out that she did have history with August. But no, I would say, yeah, it was Nevins. All right, I'll get off of that. I'm going <laughs> to, I see, I'm trying to drive another stake in Danny's heart. Right. All right, I'll stop. But do you think that maybe, I'm not stopping, do you think that maybe Danny picked Abby specifically because she was from Sleepy Hollow? And because she knew August Corbin, and he wants to keep an eye on her. That's a possibility. Interesting. That definitely is a possibility. So then who do you think that um, Danny's boss is really talking about when they were talking about the agent they wanted to keep their eye on? I'm thinking that because of, of, that, of her potential. Now I'm thinking it's Sophie and not Abby. Ooh, might be interesting. Yeah, if Danny's boss is pure FBI, then yeah, it could be either Abby or Sophie that they're keeping their eye on, just strictly job performance-wise. Time will tell. Yes. All right, I'll let you go back to Sophie and Crane. (laughs) Well, we did already discuss that there was uh, quite a bit of sizzle between those two, and, and we'll see if it goes anywhere. I can see Crane being... A little more attracted to Sophie, maybe, but because of his chivalry, he will not pursue it until there's absolutely nothing between him and Zoe. So I think he likes women with a little bit more spunk. (laughs) Katrina had more spunk. Betsy Ross had more spunk. Abby has more spunk. Yes. Zoe is very sweet, but she ain't got no spunk. Sophie has spunk. Yes. And so that's why I'm afraid that Zoe is going to be a pawn and she's going to, maybe she'll fall to the hidden one. That would be sad. That would be very sad. Yes, it would. But she ain't got no spunk. No. (laughs) She was the rebound girlfriend. The rebounds usually don't last. No, they usually don't. 
All right. So the hidden one, the Grim Reaper. Well, he's either going to be a Grim Reaper or a god, isn't he? Yep. But he sure looked like a Grim Reaper. At least the first sign sign of him, he sure did. But I don't think uh, he's all there yet. And it will take Pandora a little bit of time to uh, make him whole again, shall we say. Well, and he sounded so self-absorbed. I am coming, you know, I, uh, here I am, you know, await my presence and, and then bow down, you know, kneel down before me. Uh, yes. That absolutely is a godlike complex. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know what Pandora will do then. I wonder, does she need monsters? So how, does, how do we think she makes him whole? Does there have to be a sacrifice? Actually, that's not a bad thought. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, but at the same time, it sure could be. I mean, I kind of see her nursing him back to wholeness using her magic, her powers. Same time, I could see her making the ultimate sacrifice to giving her power to him. Well, she's going to have to do something. Either that, either we're going to have some kind of a monster or something to come back and heal him and make him whole next week, or he is going to magically become that way because of something that she's done. He's already going to start stirring up trouble. Yes. It's either one or the other. I'm sure there could be a third alternative, but that's not striking me right now. But then... What is it that he is going to do? What is his purpose for being here? Why are he and Pandora in Sleepy Hollow? What is it about Sleepy Hollow? Is it that now their mission is going to be destroy the quote-unquote destroyers so that they can live happily ever after and as gods or whatever rule the human race? Yeah, I think it's completely domination of the planet is the ultimate goal. And And will our nits and nats known as the witnesses get in their way. Because remember what Pandora said to Abby in the hospital, implying that this is not the first time that she's had to do battle against destroyers or witnesses, and that the other ones seem to be more easy for them to defeat. But again, if if they were easy for them to defeat, then why do they keep coming, having to come back? Yeah, something stops them. Something does. So is this some age-old battle and every couple centuries, new witnesses fight Pandora and her her god slash Grim Reaper? That's kind of the vibe I get from it, that's for sure. And I think that's what we're going to see in the second half of the season. They can't get it right. They got to keep coming back. It's Groundhog Day all over again. (laughs) So what do you think the cliffhanger is going to be? Well, I have a feeling it's, it's going to involve Jenny. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. I do believe we will see a what appears to be a total conversion of her into Anubis. Yeah, I think Jenny's going to the dark side. Well, she's sort of there already, isn't she? Yes, she is. Ouch. Well, she hasn't done anything, though, to hurt our team. No. She's just been possessed. Yes, again. Again. Oh, that's true. Again. And that is going to be so upsetting to Abby, especially, and then to Joe. Here, he just found love, and poof. Sorry, Joe. Yes. Your girlfriend's gone dark. She now looks like a dog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I am afraid that it's going to be Jenny in some type of danger, or worse, or worse for our team, that Jenny goes evil and tries to do something to them. Yes, that would be 
much more difficult to deal with. Yeah. If the God says, okay, you go take care of them. Well, I'm also wondering if Abby may get fired. That's a very strong possibility. It depends on how mad Danny is, I guess. And that's where hopefully before the end of the season, we will get the archives. They will get something open to where they can make some money to support themselves if Abby does get fired. Now, of course, she could go back and work for the police department, I'm sure. Well, I'm wondering how they're even going to be able to put any levity into this coming week. You know, we still haven't seen Ichabod take his citizenship test yet, right? Right. And theoretically, that was going to be within a month. But here with Jenny missing and them trying to track her down, and you know they're going to go to Pandora's lair, so they're going to witness something. So I'm struggling to see how they would put any levity at all into next week's episode. Yeah, I doubt there will be much, just like there wasn't a whole lot in this episode. No, it had its cute and loving moments, but it didn't have a lot of levity per se. Exactly. No, yeah. Now, I am worried about Jenny for the simple reason that she seemed to take it so well. The initial thought of, you know, when she heard that she could die, oh, I could die. And that kind of took her aback a little bit. But after that, it was first talk with Abby is, I don't have the flu. I don't feel bad. I can, let me help. Yeah, and the fact that she's possessed. So Crane has already told her that she could die because humans are not meant to have these mystical powers that these binding stones give to them. And we know that the shard is supposed to be important, or we believe it's supposed to be important in judging people for the underworld, at least from what we've seen. And if the hidden one needs the shard, does that mean that he needs to kill Jenny to assume the power for himself, you know, and then would she be willing in her possessed trance-like trance-like state to say, here I am, I'm willing to sacrifice for you, oh great God. You know, as you said, with her mindset that she's sort of accepting of that, accepting of potential death, that could be very frightening. Yes. And they cannot kill her off. No. No. No, 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 no. No, Fox, No. Irving was hard enough to deal with. He's in the witness protection program. Yes. More or less. Spell. <laughs> yeah. Level 10. Yeah, but I think next week is going to be a tough one, and then we have to wait, okay, what, three, two and a half, three months? Yeah, two and oh, a half, I think. gosh, two and a half months. About 10 weeks. That's going to be a long time to wait. Yes, it will. All right, that's a sad thought. So make <laughs> us happy. Give us some ickyisms. All righty. Well, we start off the bat with United States immigration may well be Dante's 10th circle of hell. (laughs) That was probably one of the better ones that he had, because, of course, he does come back and says, and I fear, contrary to the popular saying, what we do not know may very well hurt us. And that turned out to be the truth, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes. And as they go into the... uh, garage to search out the berserkers we get the classic they're here oh yes they are (laughs) et and run my favorite one my favorite one-liner of the night run run fast fast anecdotal evidence is overwhelming yeah that was very good (laughs) yes and then with sophie 
Yeah. We have to mention the comments to Sophie. Ah, uh, yes. Those were great. Unhand me, you scoundrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing if he had just been slammed up against the wall by a man or a woman, I take it. Uh, yeah. I don't think you usually call women scoundrels, but who knows? No. You might. <laughs> and I might ask what you were doing here throwing patrons against the wall. That was great. Indignant as all get out. Your pleasantries need a little work, madam. Oh, they did. <laughs> he was fast on his feet. Yes, he was. That was a good line. And when Abby hands him the the mountain climbing gear, you talk as if I've never climbed a mountain, right? I've never climbed a mountain before. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have a clue about belaying equipment. No. No. <laughs> and I couldn't help it. As he takes out the last berserker, give my regards to Pandora. Yeah, that was nice. Get a little frustration out there, Crane. And he had a lot of it. All right, what did we learn in history this week? Well, history, it was a little interesting because I did some investigating about Daniel Boone's stirring up trouble between the British and the Hessian troops outside of Boonesboro, Kentucky but I couldn't find anything there. However, Hessian troops were used extensively during the Revolutionary War, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that today, Steve. All right. So the Hessians were German soldiers who were contracted for military service by the British government. Now, these were active soldiers from their own nation, uh, national armies, and they were required by their country to serve training from adolescence all the way through adulthood until either they were too old or they were considered unfit for service. Now, they had been partnering with Great Britain on conflicts for at least 100 years and maybe a little bit longer than that. During the American Revolutionary War, about 30,000 German troops fought, and that was compared to about 100,000 for the British. The Hessians wore their own uniforms they were in their own regiments, and they were always there. Um, now, when the war was over, about 17,000 of them returned to their homeland. About 8,000 died, and actually, about 75% of those who died, it was really due to illness and not being killed on the battlefield. Remember those mosquitoes? Yes. <laughs> and then about 5,000 of them ended up settling in North America because they stopped believing all the malarkey that they were given by the British and by their princes about how they needed to fight, and they started believing what the revolutionaries were telling them, and they saw that they had an opportunity for a better life. And so they took it. So anyway, I've got two links about Hessians, and I am going to go ahead and include those in the show notes if anyone wants to read a little bit more about the Hessians and what they did during the war. And very nice history this week. Yes. So, Steve, did we get a little bit of feedback? We did get a little bit of feedback. And first, we'll start off with our bestie, Justina.
All right. Far, Thank you seen, once again for your feedback, out, Justina. We always love to hear from you. Yeah, and she this made a couple a really interesting episode, comments here. I think it was mostly you know, she believes this is a setup the for the fall finale. And, I don't really you know, in a way theory. it was, but I think that we got but a lot of really good meat during the episode. So I'm not going to consider that a, a complete setup per se. Because usually exactly. in a setup, there's there's a little bit less action. But we had a lot of action. But she also said something else interesting that she had seen or heard about Lindy Greenwood's interview and that Lindy wanted to play a bad guy. Well, she may be getting her wish. Sounds like it. Oy vey. <laughs> yeah. We did put out a question to our sleepyheads on Facebook and Twitter, which was, why did you think Danny did not tell Abby about Sophie? And we got the following responses. Todd via Facebook, I would imagine possibly since this was his op, he is familiar with the supernatural to some degree, and he is not sure whether he can trust Abby with that side of things because he doesn't know how much she is into in that world. So while he can trust her to take over temporarily for him, demons and other supernatural type goodness is another story. So it sounds like Todd is trusting Danny and he's thinking more X-Files-ish. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sounds like it to me. We shall see. Now, I didn't see any other responses out there to this question, so... Okay, warning sleepyheads, we're going to do this. We're going to start doing this every week. We're going to put out a little question for you. So watch for the question and let us know what you think. Exactly. And we definitely want to hear your thoughts on the episode. So please send us your feedback and theories. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as we have now hit the 100 followers mark. Yay. Thank you very much as well as our Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interaction. We have a shout-out to the following on Twitter. Melissa, Lynn S., Wallflower by Choice, Deb. And our special shout-out goes this week to Philip Iscove, one of the co-creators of Sleepy Hollow, who has been very active on the Twitter machine and retweeted and liked a couple of our tweets this week. So thank you very much, Philip. Very nice. We've had a lot of interaction with him in the past, and it's nice to always nice to see his uh, name pop up on our uh, notifications. So thanks again, Philip. Okay. Want to give him our contact information, Barb? I sure will. You all can get in touch with us via our voicemail, which is at 304-837-2278. Or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, and you can use the speak pipe widget on the side of the page to record audio, or you can typey-typey out your feedback on the form. You can also just attach an audio feedback. Our feedback deadline is Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also reach us at Witness Prophecies on Facebook, or on Twitter, at Witness Prof GSM, at Salyer Steve, or at Tangier14. So join us for the fun. We definitely want to hear from you. Yes, we do. And if you're not into spoilers as we now begin our visions of the future, run. You know, I think I'm going to have to get Crane saying run, and we'll have to tape it, and we'll just have to put it in here. Put it in, yes. Yeah, run. <laughs> be a great drop. <laughs> What kind of spoilers do we have? I think they're gone now. All right. The last episode of the fall, episode eight, which is going to be on November 19th, Novus Orda Seclorum, Latin for New Order of the Ages. 
course, it appears on the reverse of the Great Seal of the United States, first designed in 1782 and printed on the back of the U.S. $1 bill since 1935. And you can only see it with a magnifying glass if you have bad eyes. Like we do. Like we do. In the aftermath of Jenny's and Joe's run-in with Sophie, Abby is in deep water with Reynolds. You think? Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, the witnesses deal with lasting implications of the shard. Lasting. I don't like the word lasting. No, I don't like that either. And find themselves in grave danger as they come face to face with a greater evil than they could have imagined. Hmm, yes, I guess uh, that might be uh, quite interesting to say the least. Well, again, as we've talked about, if Pandora and her hidden one have been around for centuries and they've been engaging in this fight for centuries and centuries and centuries, then it probably is going to be an epic battle. And that's what we're going to get in the second half of that's this season. season. Yes, we will. Well, like we said before... Then we got to wait. This week is the last episode of the fall, and we will not be back until the first week of February. Boo. And we'll be moving to Friday nights, which both of us think is a positive move. I truly believe that if we keep our 3 million live plus save day and our 5 million live plus seven days, we're going to get season four. I think those numbers are good enough to get us another season. There have been a lot of of shows that Friday night is their slot. Yes. They're there, and they've been there for a long time, and I don't see why Sleepy Hollow can't be one of them. No. So there's a new book out, too. Sleepy Hollow, Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters. And it was available on Amazon just this past week. Yes, it is. I've ordered my copy. It should be here mm, probably before the podcast gets out, which is exciting. All right. So it's by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry, who have done a number of other books. And if you are a sleepyhead and a Sleepy Hollow fan, I would recommend going out to Amazon using our Amazon link through Golden Spiral Media, where we can get a few pennies. And go ahead and support us. Buy the book. Read about Sleepy Hollow. Yes. And please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are couple other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. This is Steve. And this is Barb signing out and reminding you to use gloves when handling hazardous materials. Always. Talk to you next week.